Hey Chasers, it's me, Chrissy, and I know Leaf is going to laugh when I say that because he was never a fan of the stage name. He absolutely hated it, and he actually told me that he thought that CC was gross um, prior to all of us. He didn't say that CC was gross, he just like heavily implied it, um, and that I should use my real name, but you know what, we're here now. Honestly, in the beginning, I was scared, and you have to be careful with the internet of being doxxed and all this other stuff, but at the end of the day... What truly scares me now is unsolicited feedback, but we'll get to that. Um, in case you've been wondering where the podcast is, by the way, if you're not following my main Twitter where I tweet like stupid shit all the time, but also updates about this podcast, um, you can follow it at Mean Little Asian, which is what I am, Mean Little Asian. It's also in the description of every podcast episode. Um, but in case you didn't know, something pretty exciting has happened with my life, um, but we'll get into that. So... The reason I've been a little bit MIA is because I've had a pretty cool opportunity, honestly, one that I made. I'm, I was like kind of awkward about saying that I like made this thing, but I've made so many different things, um, not children yet. But um, so basically what happened was long story short, but it's still going to be long because I can't help it. I'm a Leo. Um, in case you didn't know, and I've said this on a few episodes, I actually work in fundraising. So for a very long time, I've kind of had this feeling that I'm not really doing what I should do. And it, it's cr- it was really hard for me to admit that because, you know, I'm someone who makes plans. Three, five, ten year plans. And I made a plan for myself years and years ago. And I said, by the time I'm 20 something, I think I said by the time I was 27 or 28, I wanted to be a director of development. I did that, by the way, by the time I was 22. Um, But I made all these plans and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a director of development one day for a really cool nonprofit and I'm going to be there forever and help them achieve their goals. And then I came to the realization that being a director of development for a nonprofit forever entails a lot of things, a lot of things and a lot of feelings I didn't anticipate. I didn't anticipate that I'd feel like None of my opinions and thoughts would matter. I didn't anticipate that I'd be sitting there awkwardly in a room full of people who looked nothing like me and that I would be one of the youngest people in the room always and and probably the only minority. I never anticipated that I would sit there and watch people who knew nothing about certain communities and certain people out there, people who had never lived these experiences or even remotely understand them, make changes that would affect a population, community, or a system for a very long time. I never knew that I would deal with some of the most misogynist, racist, and just awful people in the entire world, and that philanthropy is pretty much on par with being as bad as pretty much every other system we have out there. It's very racially skewed, and of course, like there's a class element to it, but it just made me feel bad. The role that I had in this greater machine didn't make me feel like I was doing what I needed to do. Yeah, I was raising money and making an impact through that, but no one ever looked at me like I was valuable and like I had anything to offer besides getting money here and there. And that didn't make me feel good. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? Um, I looked at going for profit and Leaf was like, you don't want to go for profit. I looked at working on the other side of philanthropy where you're giving money to like small scrappy organizations. And I didn't know if that was a fit either. All I knew was that I wanted to help organizations make an impact and I wanted to change the world. And 
as silly as that might sound, it's what has really motivated my career in philanthropy in the long term. Um, you know, I just wanted to make a difference and I wanted to help others and to really just make some amazing things happen. And then I thought to myself, maybe it's not me. I don't know why I even thought it was me. I thought to myself, maybe it's the organizations that I've been so entangled with. Maybe I need to think a little bit deeper. And then when this major reckoning happened where we really called out a lot of companies and organizations for their leadership and who was at the helm making these decisions and making changes, I thought to myself, there's organizations out there, smaller, scrappy, more grassroots organizations hoping to make a difference. Who do they go to when they want to make a difference? Because they can't hire a full-time fundraiser. They can't hire, you know a woo type of consultant that doesn't understand anything about the work they're doing, who doesn't care anything about a race, about race equality, um, gender equality, or anything that's at the forefront of social issues. You know, they can't hire some middle-aged white fundraising consultant who only, only does direct mail in 2020 and uses antiquated strategies. They would need to hire someone who's experienced, scrappy, unafraid to roll their arms up, and willing to make a difference, and passionate. Someone who knows their shit, and who knows what they're doing. And then I thought to myself, that's me. You know, I am a young, scrappy, I say scrappy a lot, I can't help it, <laughs> a fundraiser, who is knowledgeable? You know, I've touched all the pieces in fundraising top to bottom. I know what I'm doing. I believe in fresh, innovative strategies. And the way I do things is, you know, I believe in these winning strategies, these core strategies that are inventive and fresh and tailored to what the organizations need. Because each and every organization is different. And you can't just slap like some baseline letter that you've been sending out since 1960 to these newer, smaller organizations. I also believe in maximizing their impact, you know. Some of these strategies that other people use are very expensive and they don't really do as much as they could. And then I also believe in doing things very thoughtfully, you know, and I thought to myself, I am a young minority woman in the field of fundraising. Very, very few to come across, by the way, because the average fundraiser is like a white man in his 40s or something like that. Um, but I thought to myself, I can help these organizations and I can do it on my terms without anyone being in my way or telling me that shit's not going to fly. And I took on a few projects. And before I knew it, I opened my own fundraising firm. Um, I opened my very own, run by me. I'm president and principal consultant, boutique fundraising and communications firm. And I know people doubted me because in the beginning, there were a lot of people from Twitter all up on my LinkedIn. One, I don't need to defend my credentials to any of you. And two, super weird. And a lot of people who had a lot to say passive aggressively. And you know what? I didn't care. I think that if me starting this podcast shows people anything, it's that one, I don't care and I'm just going to do it. And that's why I did. I just did it. I started signing on clients. And before I knew it, like... I had found my perfect place in the universe and was able to make some real profound change in helping these organizations. People who would reach out to me who were often BIPOC, they would say, I want to start this organization. 
this is what I want to do. I don't know what to do and I need your expertise. And I'm able to go in and help them do that. I'm able to do things and I just, I love it. I'm able to do things also with a strong lens as it relates to race, class, and equality. And not many people in fundraising do that. I'm going to be honest. Um, And it's just been so amazing. And the crazy thing is, is I never thought that I'd be in this situation. You know, there's been times when people have said things to me like, you would make such a good consultant. And I'd be like, haha, consulting, whatever. And I think I had this very small, narrow-minded view that consulting was like just telling people what to do and making PowerPoints and stuff. But that's not what consulting is. You know, I know some very great consultants out there. But it's just so crazy like that I sat there in these meetings and I sat there at these organizations where I didn't feel fulfilled and I didn't feel like I could be maximizing what I really needed to do. And instead of just sitting there and feeling bummed, and I know it's hard for people to create change, but I literally went with like a fucking rusty old knife and carved out a place for me in an industry that's super heavily dominated by older folks that are white. And I did it. And so that's where I've been. This was a pretty long explanation. I hope you're still listening because this episode is not over yet. Um, This episode is not about woohoo, Chrissy started a business. It is about all of the things that I didn't think would happen when I started a business. You know, I did start the podcast and the podcast has been amazing, but a business has been completely unlike anything else. Um, And it's just been so crazy for me to have this experience because even in the few weeks that it's been open, I have learned so, so much and it's been crazy. And you know what? I'm here to just have a quick little chaser about all these things that no one tells you when you're a young female business owner. Um, The first thing I want to talk about, and I know people are going to laugh, I just want to make a statement out there saying that like if you feel personally attacked by anything I'm saying like you shouldn't because this is very much a blanket conversation and a blanket rant. Um, if you feel like it, the shoe fits the mold, whatever, like just skedaddle. Like I, I truly don't think anyone should feel that special because the things I'm talking about like several people have done to me and have made me feel. So that being said, you know, when I started this business, um, I wasn't scared of being doxxed or whatever, or I wasn't scared of my business failing. I truly wasn't because I knew that I had built a model that works for me and that would be profitable. And I was right because my business model does work for me and it is profitable. One thing I was worried about is getting unsolicited advice. That truly like brought a chill to my bone. And I almost didn't even tweet that I started a business because I knew, and I was right by the way, that people would come at me with unsolicited advice. I have so many feelings when it comes to unsolicited advice, and I feel like it's now lumped on as like a small part of my brand. Like, do not give this bitch unsolicited advice. And good, don't because I don't want it. Um, but what one thing that really grinds my gears a lot is I can kind of scroll past any unsolicited advice when you tweet about like pancakes or shit, but when it comes to my business, like it just makes me so livid. I feel like... Because of the fact that I'm a young minority woman 
people seem to constantly think that I need help with my business or I need feedback. And it actually pisses me off because I feel like I've done nothing but show that I'm smart, competent, and business savvy. My business is not in the red. It's obviously very profitable. I've signed on multiple clients for for multiple large-scale projects, and I'm really carving my path and making a difference and like doing really cool shit. But for some reason, like people see me and I've never once, correct me if I'm wrong, I've never once gone on there and said, please give me your feedback. Please give me your advice. Please tell me stuff. I've never said that. But for some reason, you know, even when I'm saying even the faintest of things or even when I'm not saying the faintest of things, people feel the need to give unsolicited advice. And honestly, being straight, straight out aggressive, by the way, it's not something that's appropriate. It's quite impolite. It's very condescending. It's giving off very strong vibes, even if you don't intend it to, that you think the receiver of this advice, one, needs help, or two, is not competent enough to do it themselves. And it's actually pretty offensive. And even down to like the smallest things, people have found ways to be like, oh, are you billing your clients properly? Like, I've had multiple clients in and out and have received payment and have had profits in my business. Of course, I know how to bill my clients or people have gone on to be like, oh, do you send people a scope of work? Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm a fucking consultant. Of course, I send people a scope of work or people have gone on to like make comments and to say like, oh, that's really common. You shouldn't take this job, blah, 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 and all this other random stuff. And I just want to say like, I kind of knew it would happen because people always do shit like that, but I never thought it would happen in this amount. People have gone on here and like recruited me into hiring them or their significant others, or they've given like the randomest advice. And I just want to say like, one, like none of you are fundraising consultants or running a fundraising firm. Like what makes you think that you're even remotely credible to be giving me advice about my business? That's a fundraising business, first of all. And second of all, like, there's a difference between being like, oh, this might be a little bit helpful. This person looks like they're struggling a little bit, but I'm going to be polite and cordial. And just flat out being like, oh, you need to be doing this. Like, how would you know? Do you see my balance sheet every day? Do you see the money going in and out of this organization? There's only one other person besides me and my brother that sees my balance sheet. And he's sitting there with two cats and he thinks my business is growing great. BT dubs. And also, like, it's so crazy to me that people would think that I would go on social media and say, hey, everyone, even though I'm a professional, I want advice on how to handle my business and my clients. Like, if you're going on there asking people publicly for advice, like, that's fine, but that's something I wouldn't do. And I just, it just grinds my gears because it's not just random people on the internet, it's people in my daily life, random people who are like, oh, BT dubs, here's a tidbit for you. Here's a nugget. Like, I am okay and I am fine. And I'm sorry if this comes off bitchy or mean, but I am just here to say, leave my business alone. If it fails, I will take all the blame. I don't need a cushion of people giving me unsolicited advice for it to succeed. And honestly, truly, I'm not going to take the advice of anyone that's not going to have to bear the consequences of what I'm doing. So just so you know, if you're starting a business, people are going to give you so much unsolicited advice. I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it would come to this magnitude. And I'm honestly fed up and I don't want to hear it. 
I will say, though, it's different when you ask your friends for feedback, when you just sit there and casually say, this client's kind of annoying, and people come in your DMs with, like, this is what you exactly need to do. Like, I never, never asked for any of that. You know, another thing people never tell you when you're starting this off on your own, and I learned this from Miranda from Flower Power, is that you truly cannot do everything alone. I've learned this because I actually hired my very first employee. I hired my younger brother to be my part-time, very part-time admin and to help me out with tasks. And you know, the crazy thing is, is one, they don't tell you that hiring your brother out of high school isn't going to be amazing. I figured that out on my own and I knew that in hiring him because, you know, my brother is the type of boy that goes around taking girls to the Asian grocery store on dates. Like he is not the most responsible young man and he's just kind of a little bit of a mess. But, you know, he's my little brother, so I hired him. And I... I realized and kind of anticipated but was still kind of surprised in the moment when he worked and did a really good job for a week and then absolutely dipsetted for a whole nother week. He didn't do any work the next week and he just completely disappeared. And the funny thing is, is my parents are sitting there this whole time. Not like, wow, you're killing it, Chrissy. Our daughter is such a successful businesswoman who started her own business and firm. They're just like, wow, Alex is so great. He's helping you with all these tasks. He's killing it. He's amazing. He's phenomenal. And it really made me think about how in Asian families, like the daughter could fucking save all of China a la Mulan and the son could just like swing a sword back and forth and the parents would be like, oh my God, greatest son ever. Can't believe I gave birth to you. You truly honor our ancestors because my parents were sitting there as my brother did literally bare minimum basic tasks, and they were just like, he's so talented and so smart. Um, but yes, he disappeared for a week, and when he came back, he asked for a raise. And <laughs> as a sister, I wanted to be a lot meaner. But as a boss, I told him no. And he's actually found pretty good strides in finding little projects for himself. I've had to veto a few of them. You know, he's asked me to write a jingle for my business and I was like what fundraising firm has a jingle slash why would I need one but he's also done some really great work like formatting documents designing letterhead redesigning my website because he rejected the other one um, and in case you're curious it's www.winstrategygroup.com um, but it's been a ride and you know the crazy thing is is despite my little complaints about my brother I found that especially now that my time is so limited because I'm splitting it between a full-time job, the podcast, and my firm, that having someone to come in and help you with these little things makes a whole lot of difference. Like, yes, I could have sat there and designed a website and made letterhead and reformatted all these documents, but the fact that he did it made it so much easier. Not to mention, like, you honestly can't do everything by yourself. You know, contrary to what... People think, and I'm a very self-fulfilled, like self-made kind of lady. If I could do everything by myself, I, pr- I would try and I probably would. But, you know, um, one of my s- not so strong suits is <laughs> um, finances, actually. I'm pretty good at spending money and saving. <laughs> of course, I'm good at spending money. I can't help it. I'm good at saving money and trying not to do too much. But when it came to the actual like accounting side of my business, I quickly sat there and was like, bleep, what am I going to do? I made a very simple spreadsheet in tracking money that was coming in, expenses that were related, but I had no idea how to build out a budget for my organization. And I was sitting there like a little dumb fuck. 
And luckily for me, I had the support of a wonderful boyfriend who went in there and built an entire balance sheet. Without him, I would have been shit out of luck. I'm not even lying to you guys. I would have used that small little spreadsheet forever and I would have built little tabs and like done the same thing. But he went in and he's been such a great help. And, you know, I'm in this position now where I'm not afraid. By the way, listen to this. I'm not afraid to ask if I need help. (laughs) Um, And I'm not afraid to look beyond the resources that I have. I mean, like my brother building my website, he did a better job than honestly I probably would have. And he built it and I didn't have to spend time on that when I'm busy working with clients or busy working on things. Which leads to a whole other piece of it, you know. People tell you that. If something is important to you, you'll make time for it. And you know what? I knew that already. I'm not going to lie to you. But what they don't tell you is that you're going to be shoving so many things in that your brain's going to explode. And I've learned this the hard way and I've tried many planners, but I found that the model that works best for me and also works best for another business owner that I know, Miranda, um, is going forth and literally making a list of priorities and then moving things to the next day if you cannot do it. It sounds so simple, but for me, I'm a crazy person who likes to do everything and to finish my entire list. And it's been very, very hard for me to actually sit down and say, I cannot get this to this today. I think that has been the biggest thing that I've had to learn is to say, I cannot get to this today. I'm going to make time for something else. I'm making time for this. Something else will have to be moved. People say it's a compromise that you're making. You know, you're saying, in order to do this, I'm not going to do this. And I will say to an extent maybe. But the crazy thing is, is you can just push it tomorrow or push it to another day. And that's actually kind of helped me feel a lot less stressed and a lot less worried. You know, I've built things out to where I still have time to be ridiculous and stupid on Twitter. Well, less time for that now, but I still have time to make a podcast episode or to record things. Um, And I still can meet all the needs of my clients and to do everything. And it's crazy, really, because I had always complained about not having enough time before, but now that I've made and carved out time for my business and to run it, I truly have no time. Um, And it really puts things into perspective, how much time you're spending wasting it around, going on social media, being silly and all sorts of things like that. Because I've really had to hone in and think about what I spend my time on. Um, I also can't spend hours going on Yelp trying to pick a restaurant like I used to. You know, you don't have time for that. Um, but that's like a key piece of it. And the weird thing about all of this is all of these things coming together is like all of these lessons and things I had known before have really been nailed in and kind of ingrained in my brain forever. Like working with clients, there are certain types of things that I always knew to avoid, but there's lessons I've learned along the way that have been like, you really, really shouldn't have done that. Honestly, here's another lesson. Um, I'm not going to lie to you and someone's going to be like, if you had unsolicited advice, you wouldn't have done this. I don't really care. I mean, I'm, I was happy to learn it by myself. Um, but the very first client I ever booked, I told him he could pay me in the end. And if you know anything about that, and as you're completing work and you're like knocking things off your list, you want to get paid. And I was too lazy to divide it up into milestones. I was like, oh, just pay me at the end of the project. But as I was doing it, it was so hard to, it wasn't like so hard because obviously I love what I do, but it was really tricky to keep going on and to keep moving forward when I wasn't getting paid along the way. And I mean, that was a lesson that I've learned. Um, And it's been a lot of learning. It's been a lot of growing. 
I also think as a person working with so many different personalities and types and having to manage my own customer service, I've become a lot more polite and cordial than I thought I would be. And I've been able to word fuck you in a lot of very nice ways. Um, But it's just been a lot. But I will say, though, besides feeling fulfilled as hell when your client setting up a very small scrappy nonprofit tells you that he never thought his work would look this amazing and that his mission could look like this when you finish something for him or helping some woman get her very small organization off the ground. The most surprising thing in this first few weeks was that my father, who I have spent years trying to impress and trying to make proud of me, is honestly the proudest he's ever been of me in his entire life. It's weird because along the way I was like, oh, I'm, I'm booking clients, you know, I'm, I'm starting this business. And my dad would be like, that's great, honey. That's cool. But when he finally told me like how he thinks I could do this full time someday, which is the dream, honestly, and that he thinks it's so cool and so amazing, that just was different. It felt different. You know, when he told me that he was so proud of all I've, all I've accomplished and that I've been able to do such great work and take on these amazing projects and to make an impact, it's just, it's felt really fulfilling. And I didn't know I needed that kind of validation. And, you know, people will be like, you don't need validation from anyone but yourself. But when you feel validation from someone you really respect, it's something that's really special. To the point where I actually ordered him two mugs with my firm logo on it and he literally uses them every morning for his tea and it's it's just so cute and sweet and crazy to me because you know a month ago none of this was even here and now we're thriving and killing it and doing stuff and I keep learning throughout my life even though I feel like I've seen it firsthand many a time that you can carve out space for yourself and you can go out and do things at any point you know as daunting or scary or as annoying as external folks may be like you can always do that and sometimes I think I've held myself back and sometimes I think I've really looked at what I was doing and thought you know that's not feasible there's no way I could do that but I could have and I should have and I just wish I had this courage and this strength earlier because I'm thinking about all the times I sat there feeling unfulfilled or all the times I sat there feeling sad and wishing that things were different and more fulfilling. And I could have had this the whole time. And I think in the past few weeks, I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. Um, I've learned that you cannot do it all. Liz Lemon freaking out in the airport is a very real thing. You know, when I took a break and didn't drop an episode, I was freaking out because I wasn't getting an episode out. Because I had to make time to finish a super big project for a client. Which worked out great, by the way. Um, And you can do it all. And you do need help from people. And you do need that support. And it's just so, so, so strange how life works. It's just so interesting to think that, you know, all of these small lessons we learn over the years. And all of these small inklings we have. How there's experiences that really nail it in. And honestly, they make us better for doing it. 